Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dum Dee Dum, the show about the archers and the goings on of Ambridge. I'm Philippa Hall, MBE, major Borsetshire enthusiast, looking to dunk the vicar we have. Crazy Porty. And hoping to avoid a slap, but not the odd tickle, it's... Quentin Rayner. And completing our nuclear family and assured that you've always been wanted, there's you, our Fifty Shades of Grey hoarding dum-de-dummers. Now, this week's dum dum is from our Isabel. And on this week's podcast, we have the most caller in ever, ever in the history of dum de dum Ever, ever. Ever, ever. It's wonderful. So we will hear from... Caroline, Monty, Ali, Claire, Catherine, Stephen, Sue, Glyn, Witherspoon, Isabel and her friends, Sarah and Brian. Plus, we have a text from Purple Pumpkin and emails from Lynn and Lena. Wow. So, how how's your week been, you two? Quentin? Well, it's been a couple of weeks since uh, the three of us have been, been talking gibberish about the archers. So, uh, like a quick <laughs> um, two highlights from my fortnight since I've had the joy of talking to you. Um, I, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, spent two days at the first test at Trent Bridge between England and India, which was great. Shame the rain ruined it, but I did, did at least see uh, Joe Root get a century, so that was great fun. And last night, we were in Stratford, my wife and I, at the Comedy of Errors, watching that at the new at the RSC's new, or temporary, shall I say, uh, uh, open-air theatre. And uh, being a, 
identical twin myself. It was a play all about twins and mistaken mm. identity. It meant a great deal. It was very, very good. So uh, if you've got the chance, get over to Stratford and watch The Comedy of Errors, which could be the subtitle of this podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I haven't been um, at any theatrical extravaganzas, unfortunately, but I have had my second vaccine, Hooray. which is very exciting. And that means I can travel down to the Cotswolds in September and see my mum. And I haven't seen her since February 2020. Oh, so it's been a long time. That's going to be very special. Have your children been kind to you, Philippa? Uh, well, this week we've had GCSE results, which mm. has been a bit traumatic, but very good in the end. So that that's good. And we're just having major issues about teeth cleaning. I'm having to hold teeth inspections for the 13-year-old son. Uh, he says he's cleaned them. And let's just say he hasn't. So... That's that's what I'm dealing with at the moment. Oh, it's, great. it's great being a mum, isn't it? Yeah. It's got to the point where I have to go and feel the toothbrush. It's still dry. I promise you I've used it. Anyway, there we go. So that's what we've been up to. Uh, but this has been a week of many encounters, some brief but very poignant. Quentin, can you give us a quick recap? I will. I, mean, I think the impact of this week is best summed up by a tweet from Sarah Furley, who posted, I've been listening to The Archers for 10 years. I've never been so moved as I have this week. Thank you to the writers and amazing cast. And I have to say the scriptwriters, Kerry Davis and Katie Hims, have really played a blinder this week, haven't they, and drawn out some great performances. So, mm-hmm. folks, these were the Borsetshire bullet points. Alice returned from Nottingham, got very drunk and vile. First, she turned on Jenny, Brian's pet name, while he shags other women, apparently, and then gave Paul Rory both barrels. He wasn't even a proper member of the family, a mistake, a cuckoo, a little bastard. Cue sound effect of a much-warranted slap from Jenny across her daughter's face. Next day, remorse from Alice, but Brian's not buying it. Rory is convinced it's what she really thinks, and he's just been kidding himself that he's an Aldridge His ticket to ride is three A-stars at A-level, so he decides to pack his bags and visit his extended family in Ireland before heading to London and university. Jenny sees him off at the station in a lovely scene, and they say how much they love each other. Once we'd dried our eyes, we also heard that Hillary and Audrey are trying to scupper the scarecrow competition on the grounds they're too scary and have escalated to the local MP. Still silent Usha has rustled up a celeb to open the fate. My inspired guess is that it's Jackie Weaver. Watch this space. Uh, A creepy Alice-type scarecrow is found propped outside the bull soon after she's found to have gone missing from Ambridge, and Linda declares she needs a top shelf to display all the copies of Fifty Shades of Grey, which have been donated to the fate quite a week. (laughs) Yes, quite a week. Very good. Um, Well, from that quite a week, we have quite a week coming ahead. I should just... uh, remind you for a a date for your diaries. The 20th of August, this Friday, 7pm, we've got a special Zoom with Royfield uh, where we get to say thank you and goodbye, although he will have just one more episode left to record. So watch out for the Zoom link on Facebook uh, in a few days' time or contact us on Twitter if you need the link. So let's get to the important bit. We need to hear your views. And if someone wants to get in contact, how can they do that? If you would like to comment on The Archers or leave us a plot prediction, then leave us a message on SpeakPipe, which you can find on dumptydum.com by clicking on the contact tab at the top. Or you can send a voice note or text via WhatsApp to 07957 167 696. That's 07957 167 696. 
which is a plus 44 at the beginning if you're outside the UK. Now, us a lot like the sound of our own voices, but if you'd rather not leave a voice message and prefer to email, very welcome to, then also head to dumptydum.com and click that Contact Us tab. Uh, from now on, we will be recording earlier because we've got the Sunday evening episodes. Hooray! We're actually going to record Sunday afternoon. So we need your calls, your emails by two o'clock UK time on Sunday. Uh, and hopefully then we can get it uh, the episode out earlier to you as well. So apologies, Ali and Caroline. Um, you called after we started recording last week. So we have merged both your calls. Really sorry about that, but hope you understand just this just this one time. So, a lot has happened this week, and what did you, our lovely dum-de-dummers, make of it all? Hello, Average3962. So, first off, we have capable Caroline. Hello, this is Caroline in Dubai, um, and I'm a first-time caller in I've been listening to The Archers since my best friend Becky, who I work with at Battersea Dogs Home, introduced it to me. Uh, I think that's sometime back in 2001 that I don't remember any specific characters. But gosh, yes, I've just realised that's 20 years ago. Yikes. I just wanted to um, share my feelings about our recent episode, uh, Train Station farewell between Jenny and uh, Rory Um, and whilst I've never ever particularly related to Jennifer my goodness I was a bit of a wreck by the end of that last episode Um, listening to any kind of mum saying goodbye you know I'm already working myself up about that sort of thing I'm still about five years away from it Um, is it is pretty pretty bottom wobbly bottom lip wobbly um but um but as someone who's become a mum through adoption uh, like jennifer um this was i think what the young'uns call a bit of a trigger bloody alice i mean Uh she she was wanting to be cruel for all the reasons that is obvious but uh, I, I, she really struck struck a chord. The deepest fear of any mum, like like myself or Jennifer, the, the thought that our children should ever feel that they are less than, or even worse, that they might think that we think they are less than, is the deepest, most awful fear for for any of us. We love our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, like we love our kids like we all love our kids anyway i think rory's a good bloke and it'll all be okay between him and uh jennifer but that was a tough episode to listen to so can we have some more scarecrows please thanks very much thanks for all you do bye thank you caroline and lovely to hear that you were brought to the archers through the wonderful battersea dogs home that's where i got my cat Maisie back in 2012 I think we've seen uh, through the social media coverage of this week's story, a lot of families who have come together through adoption or fostering, I guess, wanting to see that representation in the archers. And it must have been awful to to hear, I suppose, the scales being ripped away from Rory's eyes through the 
Alice explosion. And I think it's it's just it's, it's so painful to listen to because it's Alice destroying her life minute by minute. And when Jenny slapped her, I was just so shocked, but not it's just I, I couldn't believe she actually hit her. But the, her behavior is just so unacceptable. And I can understand why it happened. But I was still very surprised that Jenny of the Albion kitchen ended up slapping her daughter. And I felt very sad for Alice at, at, at that point. Um, and yes, I think I think more comedy sc- scarecrows, although I, I'm quite worried about actually what's happened with Alice and whether it actually is her underneath the hay rather than <laughs> it being a scarecrow itself. <laughs> well, she's, That's quite dark. She's so she's so she's so pissed. She's just, just propped against the bull, not moving, immobile. It could happen. Yeah. Or she could have been kidnapped. I mean, as well, you know, that text from her saying everything's okay. Yeah. I wasn't convinced that text came from her. But I think I've read too many thrillers by yeah. Anne Cleves, <laughs> where there are scarecrows and dead bodies and texts being sent from people <laughs> pretending to be other people. Calm yourself, Rosie. Calm yourself. Um, I, great to hear from you, Caroline, calling all the way from Dubai, a first-time caller in we, we We love first-timers, don't we? Um, and, oh, yeah, I mean, I think that this week has really made people stop and, and take stock, and I think Caroline's call really reflected that, didn't she? Um, she, I, I think, actually, the best description, Caroline, really, <laughs> that train scene was bottom wobbly, wasn't it? Not so much bottom lip wobbly, and all of us were wobbling over that. Um but you really drilled down into parental fears about uh, children, uh, that uh, the thought that any child feels less than, even worse, that they might think that their parents thinks they're less than. It's the, you said it was the deepest, most awful fear. And it was the quality of the writing. It made us all stop and take check, uh, check uh, ourselves, particularly as parents. And um, I think your call reflects that enormously. And I don't... Um, uh, underestimate why you felt a bit of a wreck by the end of that uh, episode. The, the the brief encounter scene, I think, got to a lot of people, and I think actually some other calls will reflect that. So, welcome aboard, Caroline. We'd love to hear more from you in future. Yes, it was so hard to listen to. Although I had seen some tweets and messages saying, "Oh my goodness, I'm in tears," so I was all ready to have a really good cry. And so, actually, I didn't cry. Normally, I do. So I think oh, I just you hard, hard. You didn't cry. Words. No, because I'd, I'd seen that everyone was crying. So I think I'd hyped it up so much. And I was like, why aren't I crying? This is I, so moving. I had a little lump in my throat, I have to oh, say. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes, it, it it was amazing. I just thought every time Alice spoke to Rory, I thought you, you can't say anything worse than that. And yet she kept coming up with something even worse. It was... It's horrible it's, to you, hear. You mentioned a slap, and I think that uh, provoked a, quite a debate because it was quite it's shocking. It was, it was. And it, it, um, she, um, Jenny herself was shocked, wasn't she? She said, I've never hit my kids ever in my life. I think the consensus from what I read on social media was that it was deserved. <laughs> and it was, um, you know, no, no, nobody encourages sort of physical violence like that. But, I mean, it had reached such a fever pitch that, so like it was the only way to stop it and break through and yeah. snap her out of her vileness. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I, I personally, I thought, yeah, I can understand why Jenny did it. And I think we have more slap calls, slap related calls to come. So, yes, <laughs> uh, as you said, Caroline, thank you so much. 
What it's podcast is this? What podcast is? <laughs> it was a major thing. Well, that that'll boost that'll boost the figures. Fantastic, yeah. More slaps coming, folks. <laughs> uh, better slap than slapstick, but never mind. Um, anyway, yes, Caroline, thank you so much for your call. Do call again. And now we go on to the admirable Ali. Hi, all. It is Ali in Washington D.C. So a few months ago, I got quite a bit of blowback from the then hosts um, about my plot prediction that Alice was going to leave. And the time I really thought, like, I need to defend and explain my position, and I didn't because it happened. I wanted to kind of get into why I thought that she was going to do something like what she did to her her mother and her younger brother that she was going to once she realized once she sobered up she was going to have such shame and I think that it makes sense that it was something she did to her family the family that she was born into rather than the family she created um because I think that a lot of what goes on with Alice is rooted in the Aldrich family. It's not rooted in her life as a Carter. Mm. And I think she's woken up and realized what she did to her younger brother, what she did to her mother. And she's mm. walked away with that shame. Mm. I wonder if the scarecrow is something she did. Um, but I guess that's all for me this week. Bye. But bye, Ali. Great to hear from you as ever. Congratulations. Your plot prediction was correct. You were right. The blowback was uncalled for. Uh, Alice has left it, as you said. Quick uh, thought on was the scarecrow her own work? I think it was, actually. I think the, her level of self-loathing has made her want to make that scarecrow to, to make a, a statement. Um, I have always thought that drink shakes down people's reservations and inhibitions. And actually, when you see people drunk, you see the real person. It's always been my suspicion. And sometimes some people become utterly sweet. You think, my word, what a nice person there is behind that. The reverse is, is obviously not. And I, I sort of checked. I've got a family member who's been a, in the wine trade for over 40 years. And I put this to him because he's a sort of nominal Archer's listener. And uh, I said, this, this is what I've always felt in your experience in the wine trade, in hospitality, where you've seen a lot of wine drunk. Is that the case? And he agreed that he's seen the same as well. So I, I think we've seen the real Alice. And I don't think he's very nice, uh, to be honest, um, however much he says sorry and she's remorseful. So that was a shock because you thought, Mm, yeah, yeah. We've seen flashes of the nastiness come out, that brilliant way she changes her tone of voice, the actress. So, um, yeah, that was the shock for me, and I think we've really seen the real Alice. Uh, interesting observation, Ali, Ali, that you said that she was, she's been cruel to the family she was born into rather than the one she created. It's all rooted in her being an Aldridge, and you're right. And Ali, I think I could hear in your voice sort of the sympathy you have for Alice. Uh, and the the understanding of, of what's driving this and sort of the shame 
that Alice feels. Uh, for me, Alice is sort of so far away now from who she was as a child. And we saw that in the conversation with Shula about when um, Alice used to help out at the stables and how good she was with the horses and how confident she was. And, you know, there is such a gulf between that confident child slash adolescent to this broken down, uh, full of shame woman we have today. And the self-loathing that Alice has is is really related back to there's this gulf between who she could have been and who she's ended up being and the approval she's always seeking from her father mm. all she wants mm. is for Brian to be proud of her and that's just not there and I think some of the interactions between Alice and Brian this week were very powerful because he's just kind of had enough mm. and has given up is sort of how I felt about it and you know, for Alice to sort of get to the point where she will, will want help, I guess, is when she fe- when when there's nothing left for her mm-hmm. and she has no architectural support at all. And by burning down her relationship with her with her half brother, by, you know, really driving Jenny to the depths of despair and to violence, I think she's pretty much done that. And I can see some difficult times ahead for her as she realizes that she's sort of destroyed her familial relationships Mm. to such a degree. Uh, I think we're going to hear from a specialist coming up on the next call, actually, to to, to talk more about this. But but Ali, thank you. Incredibly insightful as ever. And and you were right back in the day when you called in. So so well done. Yes, it's such a such a hard thing to listen to. And, and Alice was so rude. She just seemed, as you said, to deliberately push away those who are kindest to her the most, you know, who love her the most. Um, and Brian did say when he was driving her to rehab how proud he was of her. So she has had those times of him saying that. But um, it was good. I felt it, it was good to hear him just draw a line and, mm. and actually... Yeah. Stop saying that because I think when when you sometimes tell someone how proud you are of them, that can put increased pressure on. Um, but uh, yeah. perhaps if she seeks, she's a yeah, he's the one sh- whose approval she makes most seeks. Perhaps he's the one who's going to break through to her as to the you know in terms of the mm. effects she's had on the family. He said to her, you know, she's a professional. We, we're just rank amateurs, he said, didn't he? This is mm. exasperation. <laughs> yes. We're completely outflanked by, in other words. You know, he was desperate, wasn't he? He was. And uh, in a way, I needed to see him reach that point with her. Mm. Obviously, it's spiraled because now she, she's left. But maybe that's what needs to happen. She just, she needs to understand. Well, presumably she does understand the consequences of what she's doing, but it's uh, an impossible journey that she's on and and there is no magic solution. So now let's go to magnificent Monty. Hello everyone. Uh, Monty here. Um, I wanted to talk about the Alice storyline and where I think it's, it's likely to go. Um, I've I've listened with interest over like the last several you know weeks and months as this has progressed because um, I, I have a little bit of experience in this in as much as um, many years ago now before I went into IT I used to work in alcohol rehab um, I worked for uh, a year as a full time volunteer in a project with 
that got street drinkers off the streets. Um, and then after that, I worked for several years uh, in sheltered housing with, with alcoholics. So um, whilst it was about 20 years ago now, it's still relevant, I think. Mm. Um, and I can't help but feeling that uh, Alice is going to get much worse before she can get better. Um, I think the idea of sending her um, uh, to, to Amy's was crazy. And, and I, I didn't really buy that Alan would have suggested that. Um, I mean, an alcoholic going to live with somebody, if anyone who's got any experience of that would would tell you that that's probably not a good idea for the person they're going to live with. And that's so it has seemingly transpired. Um, it sounds like uh, that Alice is has extremely low self-esteem at the moment, and I suspect she's going to end up on the streets. Um, mm. I think that's where the storyline is going to go, and I think that's probably what's going to happen before she turns the corner and gets better um, because she's just not listening to anyone. She's not in a place where she can listen, um, and I don't think anyone is able to give her the help she needs while she's in that state, and I don't think – anyone's going to be able to live with her. So I'm sorry to be so downbeat, but I think that's where it's going to go. So thanks very much. Thank you, Monty. And I think, you know, you've walked in the shoes of people who've been through Alice's journey and you've, that experience is, is just like gold dust in terms of that understanding. Mm. And from what you've said, things are going to get darker with Alice, which I didn't think was really possible, mm. but it sounds as though we're on a, a dark road and, you're right in the sense that she's not ready to listen. So any kind of mechanisms that are given to her, she won't accept. There has to be a turning point. And for her, it may have to be extremists. So it may be that she ends up in a, a situation where some very horrible things happen. And she finally realises that she has to take action. But it's it's very disturbing thinking about the sort of the consequences that, that could happen to Alice mm. if she's out there on the streets of Birmingham alone and vulnerable it's not a not a happy place for her to be going in but thanks so much for your call I think we really appreciate mm. hearing from experts to supplement kind of our our understanding of the, of the situation. I completely agree there Rosie I was going to say exactly the same it's always interesting to hear people who really know what they're talking about because for the rest of us more lucky ones it's supposition isn't it mm. we're feeling our way through this and we're all learning i mean i've, I've learned masses from this storyline uh, you, you see her ending up on the streets before she can in any way get better uh, others have mentioned it before the need to reach rock bottom and then seek help and unless the person the addict wants to seek help then they can't be helped it's one of those awful vicious circles mm. and that's something that i hadn't appreciated either so um i i, I suspect you're right I, I i i don't think we have reached rock bottom and maybe we're going to see a scene i don't mean to be mm. glib here but you know maybe natasha and kirsty out on the streets looking for alice who knows oh gosh i mean i don't know i i understand what mont is saying and it would be awful if Alice does end up living on the streets, but I think she does have a source of income. She does have money. So unless she spends all of it on, on drink, um, I don't know. I see her more in some sort of bedsit or something like that. But, I, I, but I mean, what, is, I, what is her source of money? Because a lot of people are saying, where is she getting the money to actually buy all this booze? 
Yes, well, she's, I mean, she will, ha- I'm sure there are s- savings that she's, you know, money that she's been given in the past. Although, to be fair, they did have to use the gift from Brian to pay off the credit card for the for the part mm. of the rehab bill. But she uh, benefits from the partnership. But then there's the house that they were living in that, that I believe she got I mean, via that. So it's a, it's she, a difficult she, one. She has been working, but obviously hasn't held down a job for quite a while. And yes. presumably Chris has made sure all the money in the joint account somewhere else. But um, I think she's on, I think she doesn't have a lot of cash. I think she's still got a credit card. But mm, at some point right. that will be stopped. Mm-hmm. Yes. Will it or will Brian sort of keep clearing the debt? I, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine him not funding her even if actually that is what needs to happen for her to reach this awful rock bottom however low that is as as soon as possible but I mean okay on a lighter note can we talk about the slap uh, because for me <laughs> that's, I, that's that's a lighter, <laughs> note. <laughs> a lighter note it is a lighter note because I have listened to that sound effect repetitively on the loudest volume and it doesn't sound like someone is slapping someone unless Alice's skin is so hardened from being in the sun too much on her horse riding. I don't know, it sounded like a table slap and from someone like three miles away, it was a very odd, I'm just not sure about the sound effects on on the arches at the moment. It's funny, I I listened to the omnibus this this morning because we're recording this Sunday afternoon, aren't we? And um, I didn't hear the slap. I'd heard the slap when I listened to it uh, during the week on whatever I was listening to, but I was—I missed it, and I felt slightly cheated because I wanted to reassess the slap. So this, yes, um, it this sounded, slap is causing problems. It is. It sounded like the slap was delivered in Lower Loxley um, because it was just so far away, and it didn't sound... I mean, not that I go around slapping people, so I can't say I am really familiar with the noise of a slap. But I was going to ask Philippa, how is your parenting style? <laughs> you know, have, have things changed recently whereby... You were a meme, and now you're a lady that slaps her kids because you obviously know a lot more. I mean, to me, it sounded very realistic, but obviously, uh, yes. Okay, can I confirm? I have never and will never slap hit whatever my children. Although at school, my children had a lesson. All of them did. It wasn't just my children. Hasten to ask. The whole class was given a lesson on singing the telephone number for the children's helpline. So whenever I would say, please can we eat your broccoli, for example, they would sit there and sing the song of this phone number to me and say they were going to report me. So well, I, I used to be that child in the Safeways in North Berwick, said to my mum, oh, no. touch me again, I'm phoning Childline. God, it, <laughs> so I was that child. It'd be a it'd be a parent, eh? I mean, we're I nuts, think, aren't we? Absolutely nuts, Philip, aren't we? Yeah, I think apparently my my lowest low was when I, they wouldn't eat cauliflower and they would eat broccoli. So I said cauliflower was white broccoli, and uh, therefore they should eat it. But never mind. <laughs> uh, I will be interested to hear what other people think of the of the slap. But Monty, a brilliant call. Uh, thank you very much for that. Look forward to hearing from you again. And now we go to captivating. Claire. Hello, everybody in Dumpty Dum land. This is Claire Page, tweeting frog on the Twitters. Five words sum up this week's episodes, all of which I've heard because I'm recording this on Friday morning. Alice is out of control. That's pretty much proved by the way she's behaved this week. All that nasty uh, talk to Rory 
and mm. then running off without telling anybody. I can't blame Rory for believing everything Alice said to him, so I don't blame him for disappearing early. He was going to go away to university anyway, but um, I totally understand him wanting to have a break from the, the Aldridges and, and especially from Alice after that, mm. after what she said. But thankfully, before he left, Jennifer convinced him that she still loved him and that he would be welcome back um, in Ambridge whenever he wanted to return. Whether he will, we we don't know. But uh, even though there may have been a grain of truth in what Alice said and Rory believed pretty much all of it at the time, um, he he wasn't rejected completely as Alice tried to make out. As for Alice herself, we don't, as I record this we don't know where she is she disappeared and the only news we have of her is a text to Jennifer saying she's fine so I I hope she will be how long are they going to string the Alice story out before she actually admits she's got a problem and gets help we um, hopefully we'll find out where she is or I hope we don't hear something bad but uh, the way she's getting worse and worse I dread to think what would happen next. We'll just have to wait and see. On a happier note, at least we know the fate is going ahead on Sunday because there were doubts about it. And uh, I'm sure that will be covered in the first Sunday episode for ages on the 15th of August. More about that next week, of course. Until then, bye for now. Lovely to hear from you, Claire. Yes, we're going to hear tonight, aren't we? Mm. The fate unless Hilary and Audrey have done their darndest and <laughs> scuppered it. Listening to Claire's call just shows you how invested people are in this storyline now. Um, people have really gone away and thought about it, haven't they? And uh, Claire's call reflects that once again. She picks up on Monty's point, the point I made as well just now, that she's got a problem until she seeks help. So that seems to be where we're at, aren't we? That she's got to admit it herself, reach that rock bottom, and then and then look for the help that she desperately needs. Um, you can understand why Rory wanted to get away. Claire says, break mm. from the Aldridges. Who would want to break from the Aldridges? <laughs> I can't imagine. Well, thank you very much, Claire. And Rory was definitely right to go away and have a break from the Aldridges. I would quite like a break from the Aldridges, to be honest, <laughs> because it's exhausting. And the scenes between Rory and Jennifer were just beautiful. And Katie Hims did an amazing job with the script writing. And Arthur Hughes and Angela Piper uh, were just outstanding. So it's been an amazing week of acting. But I think I think we're all a bit just worn out. Mm. and need to go on a retreat. I'm not sure <laughs> I would go on the rewilding retreat <laughs> and hang out by the compost loos. <laughs> Please, but no. I think I think we need a break. And hopefully tonight's fate will be a celebration of happiness and there won't be anything nasty underneath the bonfire. Do you reckon Jackie Weaver's going to sort out Hillary and Audrey then? Because she's going to be the celebrity, isn't she? I think she, I think she definitely could be. And I think you, you called it first. Didn't you? I called it first. I'm going to claim it here on the podcast as well. I called it three days ago. It's going to be Jackie Weaver. She's perfect for it, isn't she? Let's be honest. Perfect. She, she did put it on Twitter in March, Quentin. What? She's appearing? Yeah. She did an interview as well. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, sorry. Seriously? <laughs> yes. 
I did, yeah. Burst a man's bubble, weren't you? With, oh. wait, why don't you just slap me now, eh, Philippa? <laughs> I'm sorry, but it was one of her dream things to be able to do, was to be well, on the archers. I know that, but it wasn't confirmed she was going to be on, or, or was it? Well, she's she's done interviews about doing it, so if if she hasn't, <laughs> then... Thank the, you. Sorry, I'll just I'll just pack my sorry. big bag now and go and stick <laughs> no. a stick a scarecrow outside my front door in shame. Maybe yeah. maybe Jackie Weaver will be on for something else. And does everyone around the world know who Jackie Weaver is? Don't care. We... She's just a star. I don't care. She's brilliant. Yes. Well, I should just sort of very quickly summarise in case you're listening to this for some reason oh, before true. you listen to <laughs> Sunday's episode. Yes. Um, the, obviously, in lockdown, a lot of uh, local councils had to meet on Zoom and uh, Jackie Weaver was running one of the meetings, which um, it went badly wrong. A lot of people trying to shout, Rem- remember the standing orders, remember the standing You have orders. no authority. Yes. Uh, and Jackie Weaver was a star. She managed them all. She put them down, and there are now T-shirts all about her. So she was that, so calm. Essentially, for our dear foreign listeners, she should be running the country. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so that that that's where we are. Um, with Rory, I just I hope he doesn't tell Sean's family what happened. I would understand if he felt he wanted to, but they could just be furious. I mean, I, I can imagine if it was me, I'd be so cross that this um, lovely boy has been exposed to this um, this just awfulness. And uh, so that could create more, more of a story. I'm giving Ben 10 out of 10 for being the best bodyguard uh, ever. You know, I'm going what? to be next door eating toast because I'm hungry. <laughs> yes. He was obviously hungry this week because he wouldn't take Rory to get his A-level results as well until he'd eaten his bacon sarnie. So, uh, yes. Did you see the, t- the tweet from Ben Norris, who plays Ben? No. Refre- uh, <laughs> reflecting on uh, Rory's three A stars, he said, yeah, that's what £140,000 a year buys you. In school fees. <laughs> That's a bit political, but never mind. Yes, let, let's go back to the safety or not of the archers, I think. Oh, dear. No, but actually, hang on a minute. Where, Rory was at the local college. Yeah, he was. He wasn't at his um, Yes, he wasn't at his Roman Catholic boarding school for sixth yes. form. But so, he, has been, he has been in private education, hasn't he? Yes, but, he has, but let's yeah. not get into a class. Yes, let's not. Let's not. Public school chit chat. Let's let's have a harmonious, lovely, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Let's and... just get back to alcoholism. Yeah, come on. <laughs> well, let's go straight away to someone who tells it like it should. It's knowledgeable, Catherine. Hi, everyone. Loads to talk about this week, so I'll get on with it. The scarecrow complaint. That's rubbish. Quentin is very funny. Um, I yes. Refute Isabel's <laughs> accusation. Um, Alice, Jenny wasn't robust enough. She didn't shut her down. Mm. Um, she should have said to her more than just take it back, Alice, rather than just let her go mm. on and on. Um, I was also surprised that Rory, who seemed very capable in the nightclub, let's say, uh, didn't rubbish <laughs> her. When you know an alcoholic in your extended <laughs> family uh, or, you know, your partner, whoever, you, you, you're you used to this kind of stuff. And I think that they, I was surprised... They were surprised. And at the very end, Jenny says, I've let him down. Yep, you definitely Mm. did by not being the adult and not standing up for him. Mm. Brian, on the other hand, swoon. What a hero. 
Brian has a very interesting relationship with the only two daughters I've got experience of, Alice um, and with Kate, who he obviously thinks is an absolute knob. Um, he's always rubbishing her. <laughs> Alice says at the end, I'll make you proud of me again, which is an odd thing when mm. I would have thought she'd say love me again. Uh, I mm. thought his reaction to Alice was perfect. Um, Jenny at the voicemail then says, I'm not angry about anything. Yep, she really should. But then at the mm. end, she finally realises you can't control alcoholism. Um, I've let it, um, she needs to let it happen. She needs to let her, you know, reach her rock bottom, which will be liberating, but very hard to watch from my personal experience. Uh, also genuinely so moved by the Rory scene, the saying goodbye. Um, all of us who are, are losing children to university, it's my last son going off in, in a few weeks time. Oh. Uh, that feeling of an end of an era, um, it's really very moving indeed. So, yeah, that's lot, lots to say this week. I kept recording it and going over two minutes, and now I've got under two minutes, so I will never make a radio star. Thanks, then. Have a lovely week, everybody. Telling it like it is, <laughs> Catherine style. So I agree with Catherine, apart from the swooning about Brian. No, nah, she's right, she's right. <laughs> she's swooning about Brian. Even Jenny said he's hopeless, which made me sort of ask Twitter, why is she still married to him? Because she loves him. She just loves her kitchen, and that's gone. And she's yeah, she hasn't got it. The tagine's <laughs> gone. The pool's <laughs> gone. You know, the sort of the tennis club that she mentioned, I imagine she could only get, get a day pass now. Her membership will have been annulled. I mean, what? <laughs> I just don't understand. Jenny, kick him to the curb. You're living in a semi-detached cottage, for goodness sake. <laughs> anyway, moving on from my personal antipathy towards... <laughs> old men in courts and I, it was so lovely hearing Catherine describe her I guess her experience of she's gonna be waving her her youngest off to uni soon and there was be, it was beautiful the scene at the railway station I know a few folks were kind of laughing about um the sort of similarities to like a 1930s film but it was it was lovely and as I say kind of the acting was just just superb this week and mm-hmm. um just, just so, so lovely. Well, it was it was brief encounters in Ambridge, wasn't it? It was that's 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 what it was all about, wasn't it? And uh, very poignant. And um, Catherine summing up what a lot of parents will be feeling. It, it reflects the call earlier on, wasn't it? I think it was from from Caroline uh, saying that saying the same thing that uh, it's, uh, it's that, that dreadful wrench feel. And I've been through it three times. So I know exactly how you feel. Catherine, uh, you say uh, that you'd never be uh, a radio star. You're a podcasting star already, Catherine. Hmm. You're a star on this podcast, so more from you, please. Um, she, on a more serious note, she says Jenny finally realises you can't control alcoholism. She needs to let Alice reach her rock bottom. That's been mentioned, hasn't it, before? Which Catherine says, which will be liberating when she does reach her rock bottom and very hard to watch from her, Catherine's own personal experience. She got in touch with me before this podcast to say that that personal experience is, in fact, her own sister who's given her permission for me to oh, mention that gosh. it's her sister. Oh, and in fact, Catherine's been talking to her sister about this, and her sister has a lot of thoughts about this. I mean, we, we may well hear from Catherine uh, what her sister uh, mm. take is on all this. She is... Um, she has been through all this and she is uh, now sober. And so uh, right. I think she uh, reached uh, an anniversary uh, a few days ago. So congratulations to her. So it is possible, but obviously Catherine's sister has been at rock bottom. She's seen it. And then from that, they can work up from that. But um, yeah, keep them coming, Catherine. Uh, we do love your calls. Yes, gosh, that's so humbling. 
to hear. I, why hasn't Jenny forgiven Peggy yet? I'm sorry, is it just me? But I think that is just... I've forgotten that, you know, when Lillian reminded her, yeah. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yes, yeah, she didn't tell her, but Jenny didn't know she was doing it for the right reason. She's experienced um, alcoholism herself with her husband. I, I just, come on, Jenny, just... I don't get that at all. But on a lighter note, as you would expect from me, sorry if you're expecting it all to be serious, but there we go. When Jenny was talking, she seemed to struggle with the word vacation as if that's not a word she's ever had to say before. And she said, what if he goes back to Ireland in the vocation? It's not vocation, it's vacation. It's just say holiday then. <laughs> I just thought that was, I'm sorry. I looked so, at the little things that made so, me Philip, so let me get this right. You, you've gone off and listened to the slap about 3,000 times to check on its veracity. <laughs> and now you're just listening to the phonetic uh, pronunciation of certain words from Jenny. Yeah. Well, yeah. as I've I said mean, before, I mean, how addicted, how addicted are you, Philip, <laughs> to this wretched docudrama? I mean, I, perhaps you need help. Have you reached rock? Have you reached rock bottom yet? Well, I'm like a stick of rock. If you cut me in half, I've had the archers <laughs> running through me. I am totally addicted. But as I've said before, I listen to the archers when I'm attempting to run. So anything to take my mind off the torture. Um, so yes, I do analyse it, it deeply. I, it just made me chuckle that she couldn't say. She kept saying, "What if he goes back to Ireland in the vacation?" Vacation. She could have said the back. She could have just said holidays, hollybobs, whatever she wanted. To it was just I just it just made me laugh but uh, there we go Catherine absolutely brilliant call as always thank you very much so now we're on to sophisticated Stephen hi it's Stephen here I just wanted to comment on that extraordinary outburst from Alice on Monday night there's been a lot of talk on the social media about that being Alice showing her true feelings but I don't think it is I, th- I think it's a lot more complicated than that Alice had to deal with her feelings about Rory back in 2007 when she first discovered he existed and she she worked her way through that she she sorted out what she felt um, and she packed it all away in a box in her mind labeled painful things uh, and and got on with her life and she moved on she moved past it and then she started drinking and she developed self-loathing and she started to look for ways to harm herself because she hated herself so much. And the best way to harm herself, she felt, was to hurt those around her, to drive those who loved her away from her. And that's what she was doing on on Monday night. She was unloading on Rory and Jenny, not because that was what she really felt, but because she wanted to drive them away from her because she hated herself so much. And then I think she realised what she'd done and she's disappeared, but I think she hasn't disappeared forever. And I think that scarecrow with the dress and, and the empty bottles was her. I think she made it as a representation of the Alice she wanted to be shot of. And I think she's gone off, possibly even back to rehab, to find a better Alice, an Alice that she can actually um, live with mm. and bring back to Ambridge. So. I think there's hope out there somewhere. That's all. Bye. Bye, Stephen. I think that's a, a second. That's the second time I've heard that call, and um, <clears throat> I've sort of uh, taken in even more on the second call, the second time of listening. Um, just as an insight, Stephen, as a you know, as we all gathered, is an extremely <laughs> erudite man, and uh, he 
would normally, I think, would feel more comfortable scripting these things. And he decided just to do this off the cuff. And in a way, it's even more powerful, Stephen, because it really is from the heart what you were saying. And um, very interesting insight. Uh, and to be honest, uh, has exposed, I thought, I'd thought about these things really deeply. And my word, you've really uh, go, gone even deeper. Uh, um, and has made me really, has reassessed my judgment on Alice, I suppose is the fundamental point I'm saying here, Stephen, that um, it's almost do, do, doing it deliberately, but it's all stoked mm. by self-loathing and shame and driving away those who love her the most because she hates herself so much. Um, and that is explaining it all. And then she realises to a horror what she's done, but it's too late. And, and the notion that the scarecrow is the Alice she wants rid of I think really rings true. I do think that is her work, but you, 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 you finish it with saying that, that ultimately you think there is hope that maybe she's taken herself back to rehab. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm hoping you're right about that and certainly about the hope, but, um, yeah, that's really made me think Stephen. Yes. Well, thank you, Stephen. And I think your thoughts echo mine in relation to the, the self-hatred that Alice has. And in a way, the the locking up her feelings towards her father in this box of painful things and the sort of gallons of vodka mm-hmm. have unlocked that box. And she doesn't have a, a mechanism to really address her feelings of abandonment that happened as a result of her father fathering the son he always wanted. And Alice will have been very aware that he wanted a son because he would have probably told her. And she's grown up in the shadow of this imaginary son and always aspired to to be the sort of the sort of incredibly achievement orientated person. And when Rory came along, all of that effort was pretty pointless. But she didn't have a breakdown when she was a teenager. She, as Stephen says, put those feelings of abandonment and loss in a box and the alcohol has unlocked it and she is rudderless and alone and it would be wonderful if she'd taken the road to rehab but I fear as Monty said earlier I think there's going to be a diversion to the streets and some painful times ahead but but I am hopeful that like Catherine's sister and people I know personally uh, that, that, that rehab can work and that it is possible to come back from the brink, but it's going to be a rocky road, I think, for our Alice. Mm. Yes, I loved how you ended that, Stephen. There is hope, yes, and that's what we have to cling to. Although it did sound like you were in a bit of a thunderstorm, Stephen. So I hope you made it through and you're and you're safe and sound and and all is well. Um, yeah, I agree about the scarecrow. It sounded like Alice had actually used one of her own dresses. Uh, to dress the scarecrow. So um, I, I, I think that was Alice's doing. Now, again, on a lighter note, apologies, on the theme of scarecrows. You're doing so well. You're doing, you're doing so well here, Philip. I don't know how you're finding all these light notes. Well, they're notes. few and far between, but I'm going to cling to them. Um, right, the scarecrow that Fallon's doing, when she said, oh, I'm doing oh, yeah. Vincent, was I the only one who thought, oh, she's doing Vince? I thought she was doing Vincent van Gogh. Oh, uh, 
Uh, no, I, 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 for a fleeting thought, second thought, it was Vince. But isn't it a Quentin Tarantino? Oh yes, it was just when she first yeah. said Vincent. But then Harrison said he was doing Mia, and then he said, "Oh no, it's Uma Thurman." I, I got very confused what Harrison was talking about. I understand he's doing Uma Thurman to to go with um, Vincent, but I just from Pulp Fiction. But I didn't understand this reference to Mia earlier on. Well, yes, I was just overanalyzing. To be honest, yeah, I'd I'd sort of, I I regarded all that as sort of our old respite, really. I was so sort of battered and bruised by then. I wasn't listening. (laughs) It's saying something when that's our respite, you know. A man who's litter picking, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Fallon taking 10 hours to tell him that she couldn't actually spend some time with him that afternoon. I mean, why did she... Why did that go on and on? It, it did go on, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, while we're looking for a bit of levity, I, I thought that the way Alan played Linda this week was beautiful. You know, yes. About the celeb. Because yes. uh, he knew, because uh, Lillian had let him know that uh, Lindy was going to do it. And then he found out that Usha was coming up. She was impressed with Usha's suggestion of Jackie Weaver. Right. Um, and then. <laughs> You've just and just just sussing out how how this how this was uh, how this would affect Linda and uh, and her selection of a celeb. Would she mind at all? I thought it was nicely played, very nice. We needed yes. it. God, we needed it. <laughs> and I loved it when Lillian said to Alan, "Or oh, if she goes down like a leaky lilo on Sunday, is <laughs> that going to affect her?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lovely turn of yeah. phrase, a leaky lilo. Leaky lilo. But there we go, Stephen. Uh, exceptional call as always. And now we go on to sensational. Sue. Hi, Dumpty Dum is everywhere. It's Sue and JJ here. The first two episodes of this last week were very, very hard to listen to. It was mm. painful about Rory. I felt so sorry for him. I felt sorry for Jenny as well because I understood how she felt and I'm glad she was able to uh, see him off at the train station. Um, I know that uh, Alice has gone missing and I just wonder whether she's actually gone back to rehab because she feels so guilty about what's gone on as a result of her uh, being out of control when she was talking, when she was drunk. Um, I just wonder whether that's a possibility. It might not be. I'm not sure what's happening about these scarecrows. Uh, I didn't quite understand that bit, what what they actually found. Um <laughs> when they found a a scarecrow. But anyway, all will be revealed and good that Sunday we'll have an extra uh, broadcast of uh, The Archers. Anyway, love you all. Bye. Lovely to hear from you, Sue and JJ. Mm. And it is wonderful. We're going to have the fates tonight. Maybe with Jackie Weaver. (laughs) Yeah. When? With Jackie Weaver, with Jackie Weaver, as revealed in March. Yes, thank you very <laughs> sorry, much. For that. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry. I, I, I can't tell you how demoralised I am by that. I'm, I'm just <laughs> crowing away on Twitter. I was pinning tweets. Oh, Quentin's, Quentin's a deflated lilo. I'm a, I'm, like a, I'm a leaky lilo. Yeah, you're right. Well, the irony, if I'm wrong. <sighs> I doubt it, Philippa. With your forensic analysis skills, yeah. there's no way you're wrong. <laughs> It could happen, trust me. I think I think I might unpin my tweet now. Oh, no, don't unpin your, your tweet. Um, so- You're making my shoulders shake with laughter here. <laughs> this, emo- uh, this is as emotional as that uh, departure <laughs> scene, isn't it, at the station? Um, incidentally, Sue, uh, I've 
been trying to contact you. I know you've got some problems trying to uh, get the Zoom to work properly um, for the, the Zoom with Royfield on Friday. Do do contact me and we will do our best to sort that out for you. Um, yeah, I thought Brian was so good. His line with Alice, you seem to think you can fix everything with a phone call. Um I thought, yes, that's what you need to need to say. I, I, I didn't believe Alice's apologies, so why would Rory? But uh, yeah, Sue, once more, another absolutely brilliant call. Thank you ever so much. And now we go on to generous Glyn. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. Location this week is in Derbyshire on the top of a hill. More of that on the Facebook page. So, turning to the archers, a very, very dramatic week. And question, was Alice telling the truth on Monday? Um, I think this is a lesson in that truth can only be appreciated or understood when it's the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and set in its rightful context. Then uh, Wednesday it was, wasn't it? Rory's departure. It was quite an interesting episode or quite an interesting way the episode was put together. Um, When we get those long farewells, it's sometimes because the character may be staying with us, but the actor is departing. Uh, I remember something similar when the old Pip actor departed. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether... We, when next time we hear from Rory, it will be in a different actor incarnation. And then uh, on to the Scarecrow um, discovery on Thursday. Um, it could be Alice. It could be Alice having done that and then taken herself off somewhere. Uh, or perhaps it was Ben or... Maybe even someone from the Beechwood um, face uh, WhatsApp group, although I think that's less mm. likely. Or as an outside mm. shot, Susan, she did do something very odd with sort of tying up Linda's <laughs> llama in the past. Anyway, that's all from me. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great week. And thanks for the podcast. Thank you, Glenn. Susan? God, she's changing <laughs> our time, is she? She's, yeah. she's checking out on her husband and shooters and secateurs and all that and looking after Martha. I don't think it's Susan Glenn. Come on. Possibly Kyle, Beach, Beach, Beachwood at WhatsApp group. I think he's decided to uh, sling his hook, to be honest. Um, no, I, 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 I think it's, it's Alice who's done it, but we've discussed that already at, at some length. Good to hear you're back in your rightful place, Glenn, on top of a hill in Derbyshire. That's where you should be, not in smoky old London. Um are we seeing the departure of Rory the actor? I, I hope not because he's only mm. just establishing himself and um, he really has uh, won everybody's hearts around, hasn't he? Uh, he's, he's been, been put in, putting in some very good performances, the actor. So I hope you are wrong, but um, there is form with Pip. Mm. Shame Pip hasn't left, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I can't know. I mean, Arthur is such a fantastic Rory, and his his you know his tonal quality. Mm-hmm. And when when we had that Zoom with him, yeah, last summer, you know, he's such uh, an intuitive actor that it would be such a loss 
So please, 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 Arthur, <laughs> don't leave. I can't cope. It's bad enough. You're going to Ireland. You can't go to Ireland and then leave the archers completely. Yeah. So that that just broke my heart. That was true. Rosie has spoken. Yes. Absolutely. And um, if Susan did a scarecrow, I think she'd be more likely to do it of Shula with the secateurs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she would. <laughs> um, with like her bra hanging off. Yes, exactly. Well, and when, with the, with when, the arm in a sling and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes, exactly. And some stirrups nearby. Dear, oh dear. Um, have they found that horse yet? Because it still seems to be trotting around. No, it's still, it's, it's still coconutting. I think, I, think, yeah. I think Alice has ridden out of town on it. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Very I, good. I, another thing that made me laugh is that when Rory was talking to Jenny initially, before everything kicked off with Alice about going to get the A-level results, um, and uh, she was saying, well, what time do we need to go? And he was saying, well, you know, we can we can get there from 8. And she went, 8 a.m.? I was like, no, Jenny, no. Everyone goes at 8 p.m. to pick up your A-level results. I mean, that, that's what we all do. We all emerge into the darkness to collect them. Dear, oh, dear. The other yeah. odd thing was, it's been mentioned by many people, is, is why Brian wasn't there to see him off as well. Uh, why he wasn't invited to come along. Seems a bit odd, doesn't it? I think he was in the he's office. Probably off, he's probably off shagging Mandy Beesborough. Oh, you're so mean to Brian, Rosie. He's, <laughs> he's distraught, the poor man. He hasn't got enough energy for that sort of thing. I think it had to be with Jenny, but I'm interested in why Jenny isn't telling Brian what Alice said, Mm. you know, as if she's trying to hide the fact that she did have to unload about listening to the CD. Not that she did it as as Alice had described, but she should tell Brian. But uh, yeah, uh, Glyn, your calls as always, are just superb. We uh, appreciate your wisdom. Um, And now we go to wonderful Witherspoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Well, that was quite the week in Ambridge. I thought it was interesting how the storylines of the two youngest Aldridges, Alice and Rory, collided head-on. Metaphorically and somewhat literally speaking, it was Alice who was driving drunk. Despite trying to shift her negative feelings to her older siblings and her mother, Alice is the one who has carried much unspoken anger about losing her position as the youngest and most doted-upon child. There's been much chatter on the socials regarding where Mm -hmm. she's gone. My first thought is that she's hit rock bottom, did reconstruct the scarecrow in her image, and has checked herself back into rehab. My second thought is that she's wandering the streets of Bath, homeless and in need of one, and that she will be in rehab in just a matter of time. Regarding Rory, a long, dormant, raw nerve has certainly been struck. I certainly feel for this young man. The final scene with Jenny or Jennifer, or why didn't he begin to call her mum after all these years, was quite touching. I'm glad Jennifer did clarify Mm -hmm. with him what happened after they listened to the CD of Siobhan. I'm also surprised that Rory didn't directly contact Brian before he left for Ireland. We can look back on the recent months and see the arc of us learning much Mm -hmm. more about him. Will he be gone for a long, long time? I hope not. 
One final note related to Joy and many speculations about her. Is she a spy or just a shit stirrer? As some have speculated, did you notice that it was she who told Linda about Hillary and Audrey and their threat to the great scarecrow contest of 2021? Did Joy anger the two in some way? Why indeed is Joy often at the center of these conflicts? I'm sure you'll discuss. Mm-hmm. Hope to see you all Friday during our celebration of Royfield. Great one with a spoon, as ever. And uh, yeah, he finishes off with a analysis of Joy's motives. I, I'm not going to repeat ad infinitum my suspicions about Joy, but um, as you know, I, I do have them. And uh, I, on first listening, I, I'd, for, I'd missed that she was the one who told... Lindy, that uh, what Hillary and Audrey were up to. So, is she a spy or a shitster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and he's noticed that she does tend to be at the centre of these conflicts. Does with a spoon, he doesn't miss a trick. So, yeah, with a spoon's on board on the. Let's be slightly sceptical about Joy. Picks up on the same point I made. Why no contact with Brian to see him off? It did seem a bit odd, but. Dramatically, I can see why it was even more poignant just to have Jenny and Rory. And again, why why did he not call her mum? Because he does he did say you were a mother to me, and uh, those references are interesting because you know Alice was so cruel about the use of the word Jenny that uh, it's the name that Brian gives to Jenny when he's shagging other women. So there's lots of little little things going on there. Um, so he reckons that she's either in rehab or on the streets of Bath and in need of a bath. Uh, let's see, shall we? It's lovely to hear the humour coming from Witherspoon in relation to Alice's situation. In Bath, needing a bath. <laughs> and, and again, in terms of the, the family dynamics, I mean, I think it's not that Alice was just always wanted to be the youngest. It's that her dad betrayed her mother for over five years, had an affair and had a child with somebody else. Mm. So I don't think it's Alice wanting to be the youngest child. I think it's Alice wanting her dad to show her mother some respect and their family unit some respect. So I think there's a lot of pent up anger towards Brian's dereliction of husbandly and fatherly duty that are actually probably yet to be fully displayed by Alice because she hasn't really let let rip at Brian that much. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more that could be said about wonderful Brian. Mm-hmm. I could help write the script for that one, Katie Hills <laughs> or Kerry, if you'd like some help with uh, articulating <laughs> Brian's, uh, you know, inadequacies in the in the male department. But that's just me being too cruel, isn't it, brother? Come on, t- <laughs> take, take your medication, Rosie. Come on, come on. <laughs> well, I was so disappointed in Jenny later in the week, you know, when she started saying, oh, I feel dreadful about slapping her. Yes, okay, we're not condoning violence, but it, it felt it was needed, yeah. as, as we've said before. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was interesting because Jenny said, I just wanted her to stop saying things about Rory. But actually, when she slapped Alice, it was when Alice was talking about Brian's unfaithfulness. Um, and I thought that's quite interesting that that's the time that it was just it was just too much for her. And when she said, oh, I think I'll just take her a flapjack and a cup of tea. I was like, what? The only time a flapjack is used in the arches is to whack somebody. So it's a weapon, why? isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So why is she doing this simpering? No, Jenny, do not take well, a Brian, flapjack. Well, Brian wasn't having any of it, was he? 
no. And so, Quite yes, right sorry, too. Rosie, but good for I'm, I'm not always a fan of Brian, but but this week, definitely. You're deluded, um, Philippa. You should be a fan of Brian. I said, not all, you know, I just have to be independent and partial. <laughs> uh, but I'm sorry, if you're going to involve a flapjack, y- y- you need to stop and, and think about your actions, Jenny. And I was not impressed. But there we go. Um, so, Witherspoon, thank you for that call. And now we go on to inspirational Isabel. Hi. So this is my, I'm not even going to count. Um, I can't remember. Millionth call. So different call this week. I'm outside today. Uh, yeah, so there's lots of people. Yeah. And I've got two friends with me. Tell us your names. Ellie, hi. And... Caitlin! <laughs> yeah, so they're my two friends, Ellie and Caitlin. So anyway, let's go on to the archers. Alice. Well, this week's been more about Alice and Jenny and Rory and everything. Yeah, so I think she, she was completely, completely out of order on Monday. Um, saying all that stuff. So, yeah, and I'm not surprised, to be honest, that Rory went off to Ireland. Yeah, because, you know, Alice, Brian was right. Alice thinks you can fix things with a simple phone call, but she can't. She can't. Yeah, so anyway, the scarecrow. Who did it and why? Who did it and why? Who would make a scarecrow of Alice in that position and why? Yeah, so, anyway, Fallon and Harrison. The litter pick. Well, when Fallon said, oh, I know something you can do, I thought it was going to be something nice. But, yeah, a litter pick. It shouldn't really be necessary, really. So, anyway, Audrey and this thing. Completely absurd. Completely absurd. They shouldn't do that. I mean, it's not going to work. It's never going to work. (laughs) <laughs> they're not going to ban the fate or the scarecrow competition yeah so anyway that's all I've got to say probably forgot to mention something as per usual <laughs> well h- hello again Isabel for the millionth time um, I, I, and I, I know that uh, you're not my biggest fan but I'm, I'm a big fan of, of your latest call in that um, the fact that you've been outside uh, has uh, marshaled your thoughts because you have rattled through stuff brilliantly this week so um, let's have a repeat of that because you've really packed it all in today and you've recruited <laughs> some more archers and dumpty dum listeners as well in Ellie and uh, Caitlin. So well done there as uh, a recruiting <laughs> sergeant for us. Um, I, I've, I've written a whole lot of notes here, Isabel, and I, and I really can't fault you on anything really because uh, you're right. I'm, Alice was completely out of control. And I'm justified in saying all that, as we've discussed at some length, and you can't fix things with a simple phone call. Just saying sorry is not enough, is it? Um, Scarecrow, it's it's Alice, isn't it? So we've answered that one for you. The, the litter-picking thing was all a bit bleh, was irritating. When I mean, went on too long, as you said, Philippa. And, um, yeah, Audrey and Hillary are not going to scupper my incredible prediction that it will be Jackie Weaver <laughs> who will be the celebrity judging the Scarecrow competition. You heard it here, folks, but you might have heard it back in March. <laughs> I think Emma could have done the Scarecrow. Ooh. Emma hates yeah. Alice and she, hates what she's, she's done that, to her family. She's that cruel? Well, she's quite rough around the edges. We haven't heard from her for a while, have we? Yeah. We haven't heard from her. Yeah. And she's quite... I mean, she's she's very fierce in her protective protectiveness towards her brother. 
and she's very creative and she's very good at organizing. God. <laughs> I, yeah, but I could, and she, 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 no, she could easily have got into the jumble sale and nicked one of Alice's dresses <laughs> from one of Lily's. Oh, this is, yeah. And she'd have gone down to Alice's shed to get the empty bottles. Alice has been spending she, hours in her room doing nothing else but constructing. <laughs> A scarecrow. <laughs> well, fair enough. Again, it's a free world. You, you, you vote. You vote, Emma. I'm not convinced myself, but you never know. I'll be happily proven wrong. I, I'd find that quite amusing if, if, uh, if she, she had done that. I didn't really get at the point that Jenny said they were going to drive round Jenny and Brian to find Alice because she hadn't been gone that long, and she is an adult. It wasn't like she had left a letter saying that's it. You know, I'm. I'm going to do something really serious. So I didn't really understand that. Maybe I'm being too harsh on that. Um, and Brian seems more resigned to Alice's problems than Jenny until the end, as, as we've already said, when Jenny just said we've got to accept this and sort of uh, and go on, go with the journey that, that we're presented with. But hmm. Isabel, thank you. Cool. And your friends, Ellie and Caitlin, thank you very much for your call. And now we go to superb, Sarah. Hi, Sarah Spilsbury from Smethwick here. I couldn't let the week pass without the final chance to say ta a bit to Royfield. Thanks for all the work you've done and the show won't be the same without your West Midlands tones. But hopefully it's au revoir rather than adieu and I look forward to seeing you on Zoom this weekend. This week I want to talk about Rory. I have to talk about him because I can't spell Irish names. I felt really thought for him after his attack from Alice and was even worried about his A-level results as I was going about my own business on Tuesday. But does anyone see a logical flaw? If says he feels unwelcome in Ambridge, but then at warp speed launches himself cuckoo style on family in Ireland for four weeks, maybe five, maybe six, who knows? Is he close enough to them to be able to just rock up out of the blue at 24 hours notice? Or is this just entitlement? He is an oldridge after all. Well, it's Sunday morning at the time of caller in a ring, so I've yet to hear tonight's episode. Hopefully the Alice Scarecrow is just a nasty prank rather than anything more sinister. Realistically, the Bull Car Park CCTV ought to be able to provide some clues, but that'd be far too straightforward for Ambridge. Anyway, that's me done. Sarara bit. Splendiferous Sarah. Oh, I just, I love Sarah's calls. And the, again, forensic CID knowledge. I hadn't thought about the CCTV, oh. but good point. Yeah, there definitely mm. could be some CCTV coverage of Emma putting that <laughs> scarecrow there. And I guess in terms of Irish families, uh, I've, I have um, Irish relatives and they are very friendly, welcoming, lovely people. As Brian said, they'll be feeding him up and I'm sure they'll have just welcome him into, into their arms. And I mean, Siobhan's sister was kind enough to send that CD last year. So I'm sure they'll be desperate to see Rory. And he doesn't, to me, come across as being massively entitled, like a little bit in terms of his conversations with Ben about him becoming a financial whiz kid. But that just seemed to be a bit of kind of teenage boy bravado rather than Rory being an entitled Aldridge. And given that the Aldridges are basically, you know, purveyors of toxic <laughs> waste with a business that's not earning a lot of cash at the minute, there isn't really a lot to be entitled about. Or have I missed a trick there, Quentin? Does the Aldridge name fill you with pride and 
a sense of superiority. I just worry about what it does to you, Rosie. I mean, it just riddles you <laughs> poison, doesn't it? You hear their name, and I worry about your 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 good health about this, uh, Rosie. Please, you've got to drop this Aldridge angst and loathing just for your own well-being. It's just Brian. I don't mind the rest. Oh, of you spat out the name Aldridge. You can't help yourself. Um, yeah, actually, I was going to compliment you, Rosie, before you started slagging off Paul Bryan again, because I, once again, you, your back knowledge is phenomenal. I'd completely forgotten about the sister sent. It was the sister who sent the CD and caught because I was just, I'd written a note saying we know very little about Rory's Irish family, and yet we've had mm. little flashes. And you, you have, uh, you have illuminated a little pool there, uh, Rosie. So I'm very impressed by your phenomenal knowledge. No wonder yours high up in the weekly quiz um yeah cctv far too straightforward sarah don't be ridiculous of course they won't <laughs> look at that uh, who would who would uh it was sarah with seagulls wasn't it? i had some seagulls in the background in the in the west midlands there uh she said uh was it one of your was it seagulls in the background and where you it wasn't use, me you <laughs> was it was it you rosie have you got seagulls uh, we do have lots of seagulls, but I can't hear any yeah, of those seagulls. seagulls. I think it must have been seagulls it's your, or Sarah. It's your seagull or it's Sarah's. <laughs> okay. Somebody's seagull. Either way, she said she's going to miss Royfield's West, West Midlands tones. And we all will, of course. But that's why, Sarah, you need to phone in regularly so we do get our dose mm. of West Midland tones. So lovely to hear from you again, Sarah. Yes, I thought it was very interesting that Rory went to Ireland and didn't go and see Debbie, and it just showed me that, that he doesn't have uh, that relationship with, with Debbie that it, I would like him to, especially as it seems Debbie's the most sensible one in that family or most sensible sibling. So, yeah, I thought I thought that was quite interesting. Um, something else I thought was interesting is that Robert likes Pulp Fiction. I wasn't entirely convinced of that myself, but never mind. Always happy, uh, as I keep saying, to be proved wrong. Um, but yeah, Sarah, a great call and look forward to seeing you at the Zoom on Friday. And Royfield has one more episode. So you you get a little bit more Mr. Royfield Brown. Um, and as you say, uh, it's just au revoir. He'll be, he'll be back again um, very soon, I'm sure. So there we go. From Sarah, we head now to the last of our quarter in which is Brilliant Brian. Hello, it's Brian. Um, it's maybe a little late, but um, just to say a big thank you to Roy Field for um, setting up the podcast and making it a community more than just a podcast and uh, mm. it's greatly appreciated. Mm. So it's a shame I won't hear from you anymore, although it was still there in the background. So thanks again for everything you've done. Um, it was a cracking week this week, I think. Mm. All the emotions, everything in there. I was a bit worried, though, the goodbye scene between Rory and Jenny was seemed very, very final, almost like it's a goodbye to the character. Now, I really hope that isn't the case mm. and he doesn't just become someone that's talked about um, and doesn't appear for the next years until something happens he has to come back. Um, so, because he's an interesting and likeable character, which we don't seem to have a lot of. Um, we have interesting characters and likeable ones. Um, we don't have that combination of being interesting and likeable for it so much so um 
Um, yeah. Um, and he's a bit of a Lots of stories can revolve around him, so I'm, I'm, I'd be ashamed to see the character not appear anymore. Uh, but that's my only worry about this week's episode. Otherwise, it was a really good one. Okay, um, so uh, thanks again, um, and that's it for me. Bye-bye. Bye, Brian. Always great to hear from you. Uh, it, it has been a, a cracking week, and it has been reflected in the number of calls we've had this week, uh, record calls. I think, Brian, you're our 14th call, I think, this week, which is unprecedented. It just shows you the strength of the stories and the acting mm. and, the, and the writing and everything this week. Um, nice, uh, nice point you made about Roy Field creating more than just a podcast, but a community. And I think Roy Field feels that really is his legacy. Uh, he's proud of this podcast, but he's more, even more proud of the fact of the community that it has spawned off the back of it. And uh, that is its great strength. And that's what this podcast relies on. That's why we put out our begging bells every week saying, please call, please email. But uh, th- this week <laughs> we were inundated, which was fantastic. Um, you picked up on Glyn's point that you were worried about the nature of that scene. Are we seeing the end of, are we saying goodbye to that character? I, I didn't read it that way, but the, the more I think about it because of both you and Glyn, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I mean, just in time wise, he's off for, university starts in six weeks, doesn't it? So he's off going to sp- spend most of it in Ireland mm. and then he's off in London. So maybe we're not going to hear from him naturally anyway for quite a long time i hope it's not permanent because we all enjoy a character which as you said was is both interesting and likable which is an unusual combination in ambridge so we do need characters like that we do and i mean i think you know it's we have to hear from rory again there's just there's there's, there's so much to to sort of to go at with the future partnership as well you know what role will rory play in the future so i think he's definitely going to come back but i think we're going to be not hearing from him until maybe Christmas time, unless he comes home for a weekend. So it could be a long wait, four months. Oh my God. Before we hear from Rory again. Cope? Maybe, maybe just. I'll be very upset. You will. Maybe you'll just come back and run home farm. Mm, yes. I was just, I was just willing him not to get on the train and to turn back and stay with Jenny. I know it wouldn't be the right thing for him. I know he needs to go away, but I was just willing him to to not get get on that train and leave us because we we need him and Brian yeah I I agree Dumdy Dum is all about being a community on the podcast on Facebook on Twitter and uh, and it and it's lovely um it's very meaningful so yeah we look forward to celebrating that with Royfield on Friday so yeah is is Rory gone for good please no he's he's the best character he's the loveliest one there so there we go those are our callerinnerers and now we should go to our texturinnerera which is perfect purple pumpkin dear philippa quentin rosie and dumpty dummers everywhere this is your loyal listener purple pumpkin with a small plot prediction. This week, Alice's drunken rant has hurt Rory so much that he has left Ambridge. My prediction is that this is going to be the reason why Brian has to rescind his sacking mm. of Adam. Jenny would never forgive Brian if he's responsible for the second one of her brood leaving the area at once, let alone losing three if Alice's latest trip proves longer than the last. That would leave Jenny mm. only Kate and Ambridge. It does seem like drawing the short straw. Kate might even move back in with Jenny and Brian if no one else has dibs on the second bedroom. 
I've been trying to work out how the storyline would allow Adam back to home farm, rather like how David needed a ghost voice to prevent him leaving Brookfield. That's all for this week. Keep up the good work. PP. Thank you, PP. Um, well, since my Jackie Weaver prediction, did I mention that, um, <laughs> has been crushed by, by Philippa, um, I am going to claim enormous credit for the fact that I have said this weeks ago that um, Adam will not be leaving Home Farm because Brian just cannot inflict that upon her as well. Um because I think that really would be the final straw, and, mm. let's, and Adam needs a job, doesn't he? <laughs> so, uh, mm. uh, Purple Pumpkin, I think you're spot on. I do. Great minds think alike. And I'm not going to have Philippa take that one away from me. Uh, <laughs> remind me, I, I, I forgot the ghostly voice that kept David at Brookfield. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, so it was his father. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was his father. Uh, was he thinking of leaving came then? Back as a yes, it was when they were, there was the road being the road, that's it, yeah. To split the farm and they were moving up yes. um, to Roos um, uh, area. Yes. And uh, yes, that, that was when, when, it, when it all happened. So, uh, yeah, oh. interesting, really. Yes, and it's all coming back. Yes. If Adam left, I guess it would push Jenny over the edge. But uh, I'll be skipping down the street. <clears throat> well, like like she says, just you know, letting Alice happen. Let, let's let's just let Adam happen <laughs> and and see what what damage can can come from that. Now we have some lovely email inerers as well. So first of all, we have loyal Lynn. Yes, we've heard from Lynn, and her. Email is this. How do awards for radio dramas get made? At the very least, Alice should get one. The way her voice changes when she's been drinking is amazing. The scene with her, Jenny, and Rory was heartbreaking but brilliant. I normally listen later on sounds, but this week I've had to stop everything for 7 p.m. So looking so looking forward to what I hope will be some light relief on the reinstated Sunday evening. My guess is the VIP guest will be Judge Rinder but I will give the loudest cheer if my heroine and role model, drumroll here, Jackie Weaver, turns up. <laughs> so happy to have discovered your podcast. Love, Lynn. Archer Vintage circa 1991 with, with gaps. <laughs> We've all had gaps. Oh, Lynn, that's fantastic. I did see some other people thinking it could be Judge Winder. Um, but as Philippa has announced to us, yeah. it's going to be Jackie. I really hope it is her now because I'm going to look even more I foolish. Be, I hope it's Judge Rinder now. <laughs> Judge Judy, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Lynn, brilliant. Love the, love the email. And uh, I believe we also have an email from the lovely Lena. We do. And apologies, Lena. I've had to slightly cut down on your email because it was amazing insightful fascinating but quite long so mm. i've cut it down but we're thinking about how we can maybe have something on the website where folk can, can post their longer views uh, but here it goes so this is from lovely lena saying hello hello i'm very new to dumpty dum just discovered this podcast and love your work my empathy with jennifer and brian this week was visceral of course, my heart broke for both Jennifer and Rory throughout the week, as they were both forced to confront the painful conditions that made them mother and son. But it was the final exchange on Thursday between Brian and Jennifer that I found particularly moving. 
Jennifer seems to have come to terms with the futility of their efforts to fix Alice, but it was Brian's concession that they were rank amateurs that captured the extent to which they were out of their depth. I believe they needed these past four months to grasp their powerlessness in the face of Alice's alcoholism, and in some ways they've arrived at this point fairly quickly. Thank goodness for Ben, whose Hmm. sympathetic and sensible words likely helped Rory embark on the conversation with Jennifer. Alice's words were like a baptism of insecurity, anointing Rory with the spirit of Aldridge dysfunction. Hmm. Hopefully, the beautiful and vulnerable conversation with Jennifer at the train station helps him retain his innate goodness and confidence. Come back, Rory. I miss you already. Uh, it's, it's, it is, folks, we will try and put this, the whole email somewhere in, in its in its full glory because it's beautifully written and um just you've heard just an element of it and um once again like many of our listeners this week lena's really gone away and thought about things and written up very movingly about what she's been moved by um and yeah she's picked up on on really great lines that we had particularly the other one about brian saying that um they're out of their depth and they're just rank amateurs compared to the, the professionalism I think he re- referred to of, of, of Alice. And, um, yeah, and we, we need, boy, we needed the likes of, of, of Ben, didn't we, this week and, and Linda just to, just to light, mm. lighten the load a bit. So, yeah, um, please, uh, please write in again. Yeah, Lena, just going back to your email. Thank you so much. It was an incredible email and uh, your use of the English language is fabulous. Uh, and when you say, come back, Rory, I miss you already. Come back, Lena, I miss you already. We, we want more emails from you. If it's possible to be a little shorter, that would be wonderful. But honestly, you can write. So do uh, do contact us again. Um, so thank you for your calls, your emails, your texts. We value them so much. Please keep them coming. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And now let's sit back for some socials with our sensational Sandra.
Hello. This is Sandra with the Social Media Roundup for the week beginning Monday the 9th of August. This was a week in which many listeners seem to report having something in their eye while listening. Me too, all week. A lot of personal experiences were shared across the Facebook groups this week. And that has added to the understanding of those without experience of knowing anyone with a problem with alcohol. Because of the stress that Alice has put the family under, some people are now speculating that Brian will suffer a heart attack or stroke. That would give Charles Collingwood a reason to retire. Who knows? But I wouldn't bet on it. I saw some speculation about what would have happened if Brian had left the family and stayed with Siobhan. Most people understood that that would have opened a massive can of worms when it came to home farm. And yet more speculation. Where has Alice gone? Some people think that she has voluntarily returned to rehab. Of course, speculation is rife this week. Will Rory be back or has he gone for good? And of course, one hot question is, will listeners remember the return of the Sunday night episode? Alice is back and boy, didn't she kickstart the week. As Witherspoon said... The Monday episode sounded like a Thursday finale. Blynn Fullerlove thought that the storytelling was clever, with a link between Siobhan's Beyond the Grave message to Rory and the link to Alice's alcoholism. Keith Rawlings commented that alcohol reveals a hidden truth when the inhibitions are removed. There may be a kernel of truth there, but she did eventually sound contrite. There was a lot of understanding of Jenny's slapping of Alice with comments that Alice did deserve it. It was recognised that Jenny had been pushed too far. Some listeners feel that now is the time for Alice to be left alone to get on with it. Every time that we think she has hit rock bottom, she falls further down. It was said that her chances of solving her problems on her own are close to zero. People are also concerned about the consequences for other family members, not least Chris and Martha. Alice doesn't seem to have many supporters among listeners and there are those who think that she has grown up to be selfish and entitled. However, there is some sympathy now for her current predicament. On the other hand, many listeners really love Rory and understand his confusion. If many of us had to choose, we would be team Rory. At least there was some light relief with the Village Fate storyline. I asked Dumpty Dummers who they thought Usha's mystery contact was. Judge Robert Rinder was the top choice with many others, including Amal Clooney. My friend Helen added Scruff to the list. Thanks for that. Of course, the two storylines did meet up with the discovery of the scarecrow made to look like Alice. There were a few guesses about that. Some suggested Alice herself, maybe even Emma. My favourite suggestion was Brad, perhaps with the assistance of Chelsea. Well, that's that for this week. Let's see how next week pans out. Goodbye. Thank you, Sandra, and everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dum De Dum Facebook page. We love the community there. Now it's time to crown our tweeters of the week. Yes, um, I have picked out three worthy podium people. And in bronze position, I have given the bronze medal to Annie Dewar, her handle at Anna Anderson 2012. And she tweeted this. Did Jenny Slapper, I was distracted. My palm was itching all through the scene. 
<laughs> it gets bronze. Yes. Well done, Annie. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, a good friend of the podcast and uh, often the queen of the bagel is in silver position. It's Miranda at Apple Android app. And she picked up a silver for this. Lillian, I'm making three piles. Stuff I'm now too fat to wear. Stuff I bought in lockdown. And stuff I need to donate to show the village. I have great taste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good on it. Very good. But the gold tweet is uh, is not a, a funny one, and I think it actually reflects what a sort of profound week it's been in terms of, of drama this week. And it comes from Her Holiness Pope Mrs. Trellis the First at the Only Way Is Up. Now, if you follow her tweets, they're normally full of, shall we say, the vernacular, uh, written in magn- in a magnificent way, and they're very funny. But no vernacular in this, and this is what makes it, I think, even more powerful. And she wrote, I think there has been some great scenes this week. The fallout from Alice's drunken rant at Rory and Jenny was so well written and a very accurate portrayal of the chaos and damage an alcoholic in the family can cause. I don't know how Alice comes back from this. Serious, mm. but deserving of the very deserving good. of the gold. Yeah. Definitely. Excellent. Well, to keep this podcast on the air requires some funding to cover essential costs. So if you'd like to support Dum Dum, you can join the Dum Dum Patreon community for $2 per show. If you make your way to the dumdydum.com website and click donate at the top and follow the links to Patreon. Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or leave a WhatsApp voice note or text to 07957. 167696, which is plus 44 7957 167 696 if you're outside the UK. On Twitter, we have the at Dumpty Dum team who are doing a, a great job. Like them, do remember to use the capital TNA when you use the hashtag The Archers because it means the visually impaired can read all of your tweets. And don't forget to also include at Dumpty Dum so we can all see your tweets. And we're all on Twitter as well, hammering out that hashtag. Where can people find you, Quentin? Twitter tart as usual. So I've got two accounts, one at Quentin Rayner, but all my Ambridge ramblings are at 13 Minute Man, 13 Minute Man. And I'm at Porty Rosie. Great. And I'm a book person, so you'll find me at QuickBook Reviews. We should also say thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and Lucy V. Freeman. And thanks again to Isabel for the Dum Dee Dum tune, Sandra for her social media roundup, and to Caroline, Monty, Ali, Claire, Catherine, Stephen, Sue, Glynn, Witherspoon, Isabel, Sarah, and Brian for their calls, Purple Pumpkin for her texts, and Lynn and Lena for their emails. So what will be revealed next week? Well, will Pulp Fiction in Ambridge turn into the next hit Broadway musical? Will Harrison and Fallon ever manage to synchronise their time off? Or will making scarecrows get in the way again? While the fate takes place, will we hear Shula and Neil seeking shelter together up the bell tower? And will Jenny hand herself into the police for slapping Alice? Usha could be busy this week. All will be revealed. So it's a bye-bye from me. It's a goodbye from Jackie Weaver. Hmm. It's a goodbye from Rosie Porty. Dum dee dum dee dum dee dum dum dee dum dee dum 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 dee dum dee dum dee dum dum dee diddly dum dum dee diddly dum dee diddly dum dee diddly dum. 
dum dee dum dee dum dee dum dum dee dee dum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.